1: Hello and welcome to the How to Talk to Girls podcast. This is your host Trip from Tripadvice.com, and this episode is sponsored by Spartagen XT which is an all-natural supplement to help you boost your sex drive. So, If you need any help in the bedroom, if you can't get it up, if your testosterone is too low, then this all-natural supplement filled with herbs and filled with vitamins will help you and it is completely... Completely safe. It's just like taking any other supplement out there, maybe like a vitamin C or taking, you know, protein, taking whey. This stuff is going to work for you in terms of helping you feel and look stronger and get you to maintain the confidence in the bedroom. So, if you want to learn more about that, all you got to do is go to SpartanLibido.com. Again, that is SpartanLibido.com. S-P-A-R-T-A-N-L-I-B-I-D-O.com and you can go to that link in the show notes to learn more about that. Now today's episode is about the characteristics that will pretty much deter you from being able to meet women and the one characteristic that will help you meet more women, make more money, make better friends, network better, do better Pretty much in all areas of your life with this one characteristic. And it is talked about with the incredible Jordan Harbinger. Jordan, he is from the Art of Charm at theartofcharm.com and the Art of Charm podcast, which is one of the most popular podcasts on networking and social skills. And he teaches us about these characteristics today. And he teaches us why they're hurting you in all areas of your life, and gonna really show you what you can do specifically to be able to take in that key characteristic that, again, he's gonna talk about here to help you attract more women and really just be an awesome human being. So happy to have Jordan here in this interview, which we're gonna get to in just a second. Now, if you don't know already, You can leave a review here on the podcast. Just go to iTunes and leave a review. It totally helps me out and it gets this podcast out to more listeners. So go ahead, leave a review right now. And if you have a question that you want answered on the podcast, just go to 323-432-0025 call that number 323-432-0025. I will answer your questions and we'll do it right here in the podcast. If it's not an interview podcast, which it is today with Jordan Harbinger from the Art of Charm. So without further ado, here is Jordan speaking on a top characteristic that you need in order to advance yourself with women and in the business world and in your life. Here it is, Jordan and I right now. Hey, Jordan, what's going on, man? Great to have you here.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on, man. It's been a long time since I've been on a show in this niche,
1: so I'm stoked. Wow. So, what was the last? Uh, when were you a guest last? Like, what was the last thing you did?
0: Oh my gosh, it was probably like the Chick Whisperer or something with Scott McKay back like three, four, or five years ago. Wow. I'm sh-
1: oh my god. Well, thanks for doing it. I'm glad you're here. You're definitely someone I wanted to interview for a long time, and uh, I remember we were talking about earlier. You know, we. We were doing this you know six years ago when I had my old podcast. I mean, you were guys that i I looked up to uh you and your bro, like, and now what? you're like I'm just kidding <laughs> now I'm like, oh, I'm just <laughs> as good as them. come on come on what I about so what was the what was the last time you were a you were a guest on like another podcast like what was the last time you were a guest at all on anything?
0: Oh, on a guess- i guess on a, man, I probably do twenty a month, maybe ten and a half. <laughs> depending on how bad the, the half one is. But uh, yeah, I do tons of guest spots. Um, but as you know from our communication, it's something I've had to scale down just because, as I'm sure you've noticed, podcasting is insanely trendy these days. And so everybody's got a podcast about the crap they have in the garage, and you don't want to be a guest on most of those because it will drive you insane.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. So you've, be been, a- you've, not- been, you've been doing this since, well, you had the pickup podcast, which maybe some of the listeners know about, and then it transformed into The Art of Charm, which is also your company. When did you start podcasting? You were like one of the first.
0: Yeah, OG, OG level. Yeah, um, AJ had found it, and he's an early adopter type guy. So 2006 we were recording. Wow. And the, I think the first show went up December something 2006. Wow, and then I wow. think we we kind of – we had to take everything down and put everything back up again because of some tech thing where we we're like, Oh, we can totally host this on the server in AJ's house and that didn't work. So the official stamp we put on it is January, but really we were doing this in two thousand and six, January two thousand and seven. And and uh we've been doing this ever since. Although, you know, it wasn't a business back then. It was just a friggin' cool hobby that nobody understood.
1: Wow. So basically you've been doing for ten years so that means I've been I've been doing it for one year. This podcast, at least, that means I got nine years to go to uh, to be where you have been. But you know, it's it's interesting because some parts of me, are, it's like bittersweet about the last podcast. You know, if I was still doing dudes talking about chicks, who knows where it could have been by now, and what kind of guests we could have seen. You would have been on by now if I still had that one. But, I would have I, I took a long break and and did this, but. Uh, but yeah, it's been good and now I'm glad to have you and we're going to be talking about one of your expertise, which is nonverbal communication. So we were talking earlier, uh, Jordan, he knows a lot about it and it's really cool you were saying because this is one of the skills and I, I love these types of skills, right? This is one of the skills that it goes way further than attracting women. Yes, it's great to attract women with these types of skills, but it can be used for so much more.
0: Yeah, th- that's what we finally realized and, and possibly actually realized in the beginning is when we were first starting with the attraction stuff, there, there weren't, there were, the game wasn't out, you know, that it was being written and it came out kind of right when we started our show officially. Cause we were, we didn't just start podcasting. I mean, we were doing this stuff. We were even teaching this stuff in 2006, 2005, um, just kind of at the amateur level and we just weren't talking about it, uh, on the internet and, It became just such a massive, a massive boon, just a trendy kind of bubble almost. And I was at the time working on Wall Street as an attorney after a while, after law school. And I realized that a lot of the stuff we were using to essentially social proof and, you know, gain attraction with the opposite sex, we could kind of apply similar things to bouncers, doormen, bartenders. I mean, it's even common knowledge now, especially, but it wasn't as much back then to curry favor with those people, right? If the doorman likes you and lets you in with no cover, it's social proof. It raises your social value. If you go into the bar and the bartender likes you and doesn't charge you for drinks, doesn't make you wait, that raises your social value. So we were doing that stuff with the idea that, oh yeah, you know, girls are going to notice this or it's going to help us attract women or it's going to help us get into better parties and better things like that. Um, it, it became, it became something that we started to apply more to those types of people than to just women, and that was phenomenal. So when I was to, – to give you a real-life example, when I was working on Wall Street, I was at a top market firm in the World Financial Center, and I wasn't the smartest guy there. I was a very hardworking kid, obviously, to get a job at that level but I wasn't, I definitely wasn't going to be sleeping under my desk. There were people there from other countries that had left their families back home. So I had a quote unquote mentor who everyone said like, this guy's the bomb. He makes more money than the other partners. He's he's so great. You're so lucky. This guy's your mentor. And the thing is, I hadn't seen him since he hired me, maybe more than two or three times. And he had brought me, to uh, To work at this firm, and I thought this is BS, man. I'm, everybody else is going to see Blue Man Group and going out for drinks and getting seafood with their mentor, and here I am. You know, I haven't even seen my mentor once. So HR asked me how my mentorship was going that summer. By the way, pro tip: don't complain to HR about your boss. Um, <laughs> twenty twenty hindsight, and I, I was like, well, it sucks. You know, he's never around. And she said, oh yeah, I know. You got Dave. You got Dave. So they made Dave take me out for coffee, and. Dave's hammering away on his Blackberry. We're at Starbucks and he's kind of like, yeah, kid, ask me anything. And and I'm sure he expected me to say something like, so financial derivatives and mortgage-backed securities, which one do you Where do you see the market going? All this crap. And instead, I leaned forward and I said, okay, how come if we're supposed to bill ours, you are never in the office, but everybody says you make more money than the other partners? I mean, how does this work? And he got real serious and put his BlackBerry away and he's like, do people really say that? Because I'll tell you what I do. And he went into the the whole idea that, by the way, this is a guy from Brooklyn with a tan, so he obviously knows what he's talking about. He's going golfing, he's going on cruises, he's going to charity events, he's doing jujitsu, he's doing all this stuff outside the office, and that's converting into more clients for the firm because he's just this cool, personable, charming, charismatic guy. And... That light bulb for me went off like crazy because before it changed the way I look at work forever and changed the way that I look at the the art of charm skill set and the attraction skill set forever. Because if I had just assumed that when you hit partner level or get close, you get introduced to everybody at the country club and you're all friends and you sit there smoking cigars and drinking scotch, et cetera. And that's how big shots are formed. And that's not really the case, right? You build that network before. You become the big shot at whatever firm you're at most of the time. And for him, this was a really sweet ticket because he was so good at it that his value outside the firm hanging out was better than his probably four or five, $800 an hour billing. So that means that he was worth millions of dollars on the golf course, at charity events, at dinner, on vacation. Whereas the other partners were worth less than that in their office on Sunday night. So does that make sense and do you see how this kind of can correlate over to to what you talk about a lot on the show? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean what I'm gathering from this is that this guy had a lot of amazing social skills that got him a lot farther than some of the other guys there.
0: Yeah. Amazing social skills to the point where he was able to be more persuasive. People wanted him to like them. And what happens when that happens socially is they they pull out any resource they can. So if you're hanging out with investment bankers and they think you're really cool and you've got great access to things, what they're going to do is throw you business. And that was exactly what happened. So he became completely irreplaceable. He had to be compensated as an irreplaceable asset to the firm. And when we hit Economic Hard Times 2008, he walked into another firm and got a raise and uh, as a partner because he had a huge book of business, huge. And so he was able to write his own ticket. So I took that and I went, whoa, okay. I don't just have to work my way up to the top and the social skills thing and the attraction thing is a is a bonus skill set that's going to get me chicks here and there. This is the skill set that's actually going to get me to the top. I need to be able to make these connections. I need to be able to network with all these people. I need to be able to do circles around everybody else in the office. So I, I found my competitive advantage and I focused on that. I focused on that at, and instead of trying to become smarter or trying to put in more hours than people who are willing to, to work 21 hours a day. And that was massive. And of course that was what sort of educated the beginnings of the Art of Charm in that this was a skill set that was applicable across the board, not just restricted to attraction, but very much effective for both attraction and in the career. And that's what that's sort of the trademark skill set of the Art of Charm. What we talk about on the Art of Charm podcast is the fact that, wow, these skills, that what you're learning about yourself, what you're learning about others, what you're learning about human behavior, this is what gets you ahead in life. This is the determinant for most people that is the X factor that gets them promoted, that keeps them from getting fired, that gets them the cool projects, that gets them the cool jobs, that gets them the great girl. This is the X factor, not the cool pickup artist stuff that's only applicable to girls that once they see through it, you're like, crap, I got to go. My The jig is up. This is the stuff that changes you at the core level. This is an identity level shift that helps you become more confident, charismatic, and attractive. And that's, that's a hugely powerful skill set that, that every world leader has, that every superstar celebrity has. I mean, that's, it's a big deal.
1: So, what do you think? Cause I'm sure some of the listeners right now are really intrigued and they're like, all right, this, I'm convinced this is something I gotta learn. This is what I gotta know to get ahead in so many areas of my life. You know, it's kind of like, as, as you're saying and I'm listening, I'm thinking like this is almost like the street smarts aspect of what you should be learning. You know, you can go to college and you can, and you can, you know, go to graduate school and get an MBA and all that good stuff. But there's this kind of stuff that you can't learn in school that you kind of got to learn to be street smart. So what do you think it is that your old boss, celebrities, even you now, what kind of skills do you guys have across the board? That is able to get you into the places that you want to be and and attract the the women that you want to attract. I mean, what what is it? What's what's going on there that you can try to help visualize here for the guys listening?
0: Sure. So what this means, what this skill set actually is, is it's a concept of social value that goes a little bit more detail beyond what most people do. They they think, oh, I got to raise my social status. At AOC, we've broken down social value into four personality archetypes and we teach people how to read those archetypes as well as exhibit the 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 top the top of the hierarchy for themselves and also to be able to spot this behavior in others and in themselves so it's that's actually really the core one of the core levels uh, of of development that aoc offers of course we also teach a ton of stuff about nonverbal behavior and all the trappings of high status but what it comes down to is value And this isn't value as in I'm cooler than other people. And in fact, you know what? Screw it. Let's break down these archetypes on the show if you want, because I think that that will help people get an idea about what this is. And we've done probably three hours of audio on this at AOC. So if people are interested, they can sort of get the 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 phd level education on it yeah
1: well, let's let's do the bachelors right now and if people are still interested like you said go check out art of charm just type that into itunes and you can learn even more but let's get a teaser of it and and learn about it right now
0: yeah so the four personality archetypes are submissive combative competitive and cooperative so submissive combative and and i know do people write down when you do this, I, I assume they will. Let's let's start over
1: then. They, they so, should be taking they notes be. on their iPads, like sp- iPhones, or taking out the old uh, p- uh, pen and paper. So, yes.
0: It, it's funny because I never know how fast to go over this stuff. It's like if the audience is live, I'm just like, okay, everyone's writing. Yeah, you
1: know they're yeah. going to press the back 15-second thing. Right That's there. right.
0: Yeah, the old back 15 yeah, seconds. We're not that live. Did- This isn't, this isn't start-
1: serious anymore, buddy. We're, we're, start- we're back on the podcast. It's but, true. But it's I want to like ask it, you a question it, too because I'm, I'm, yeah. I want to make sure these four things. Is this across the board or is this just for guys?
0: Across the board with every human ever. Got it. And so it's submissive, combative, competitive, and cooperative. Okay. And this is in lowest to highest. Submissive is, and I'll give an example of a submissive personality, and we'll we'll frame this as men because it, it works for women too, but again, your audience, 99.9% male, except for the voyeur females listening, and and maybe some women who are are actually gay and using this stuff to meet other girls. I guarantee you have that if you don't know about it already. I'm sure. Um, submissive guys tend to be exactly what it sounds like. They, they constantly help other people with things. They're constantly quote unquote getting walked on a lot of the time and they resent that. There's a lot of nice guy syndrome in the submissive personality. And again, everybody, by the way, has all four of these. Everyone does. It's just that your dominant one sort of dictates how you live your life with respect to relationships with other people, how you relate to others. And that's uh, that's actually where this becomes a problem if you're, say, submissive. So the submissive guy will often find himself getting passed up for something at work, and he's like, what the hell? I did all the work on that. Joe Schmo took all the credit damn that guy, right? And and in relationships, he looks like the nice guy who drives the girl to the airport. He's there for her when she broke up with somebody and he's like, it's going to happen. The problem is that, of course, this breeds resentment it, and they have you have the nice guy syndrome where he has that sort of emotional vomiting happening where he just flies off the handle at one point. Yep. Nobody wants to live their life in the submissive mindset and the submissive personality archetype. It's miserable. You feel like you have no control over anything in your life. It's It's awful. And a lot of us start there because we don't want to be combative or the competitive guy or we don't, and we don't feel like we can be the cooperative guy. So the next one, the next rung up the ladder is the combative guy. Probably used to be the submissive guy, used to be that guy, used to, get walked on. And, and one day he read some dumb website with a bunch of alpha male wannabe guys in a forum who are throwing their weight around and talking about beating people up. And I see this a lot with the red pill guys and they're like, no, never again, screw everybody. And they become combative. And what the combative guy does is he's constantly bringing people down. Um, and I'll I'll keep an analogy here. Through the, or an example here through through the whole uh, ladder. So a submissive guy, if you got a new car, he would see it and he'd probably be like, oh, I'm never going to get a car like that, right? Just kind of like, I can't do that. I can never afford that. I'm never going to get promoted. I never have the money for that. The combative guy will see you in your new car and he'll be like, Psh, car sucks. What an idiot. He bought that car. What a loser. Man has to prove himself, get a car, new car. I don't even care about that. That's what the combative guy does, right? He's always wanting to knock people down a peg because he doesn't want them to be above him. So he's knocking people down a peg to either try to put himself above them or to get them on the same rung. Racist people are very combative almost as a as a whole. It's something that they, they tend to be sort of submissive and combative. And most people tend to fluctuate between those two things. But they resent the fact that they were submissive for so long and they blame their submissiveness – uh, they blame their their life situation on submissiveness, and they see that com- combative may be the way out. Are, are you following me so far? Yeah,
1: no, absolutely, and that makes perfect sense because I've even seen people kind of turn into that. You know, people who have been that submissive type of person, and and they're just kind of like, and then they get fed up with being that person, so they kind of go almost on the other extreme, which would be. Combative. At least that's what it kind of seems like yeah. to me. You know what I it, mean? It's it like is. they're just going to be a complete asshole instead.
0: It is, and, and we've seen tons of this, especially with kind of what we call like the pickup refugees—the guys who are like they—they they are getting downtrodden and they don't have power in their lives, so they find the pickup artist stuff, especially the old school kind of the sleazy stuff that you and I both really don't like, and they're like. Oh now I got I got a chance to get power over people. I've taken the the red pill I can see the matrix and and then they're they're they start to get aggro and they're like, oh man, everybody who does this she's just trying to get my money or like this guy's an idiot because he doesn't know the things I know about girls or you know relation right. relationship science dating science and it's it's not it's not cool and and you'll see this if you are this guy, you'll see that your friends will start to be like, wow, I don't know if I want to be around this guy anymore. And the problem is when you're doing a lot of life change for yourself, a lot of times you have to cut negative people out of your life or get away from people that are too submissive and dragging you back into that. They can't handle you. But the problem is the combative person will often isolate themselves thinking my friends are all blue pill morons, right? So they don't want to hang out with those guys anymore. But the problem is then they replace that circle with the internet, and then they're online talking mm-hmm. about negative things, or they're acting negatively to other people, and it, it's very isolating. If When you're combative, chances are you have a very small circle of people that are willing to put up with your crap. Very small. Right. Um, and so you don't want to be that either. So where most people, most men especially, well, most men are, I should say, we're in the competitive zone. The competitive guy, it's very subconscious. He's not necessarily doing this on purpose. To go back to the car analogy, the car example... He's like, he sees you in your car and he's like, dang, that car is cool. Okay, what do I have that's cooler than that car? Okay, I have a similar car. Oh, and mine has leather seats. Oh, he only got fabric. Okay, cool. I got one up on him there. And they're constantly kind of comparing themselves to you to make sure they still got this leg up on you because they don't want to feel bad about themselves. And it's a process that most of us are guilty of a lot of the time. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, um, especially – people who are competitive in their jobs or competitive athletes, they often do this. And my friends often do it with each other. The problem is it's not that healthy if you're always in that mode. If you can't be happy for your friends because you're so competitive, it becomes a problem if it starts to dominate your life entirely. It becomes a huge issue if your best friend starts dating a girl and you feel jealous to the point where you can't even hang out with them, or worse, you try to sabotage it. You are slipping back into combative mode. You are a bad friend. This is not a way to deal with people. You're gonna have trouble, you are going to have trouble—you know, a lot of trouble—and so competitive can start to become toxic, toxic, and become combative. Um, but most of us, thankfully, we live more or less in the com- the competitive. Uh, sphere and the cooperative sphere which is the next rung up it's just that we should strive to stay as much as possible in the cooperative sphere and the cooperative sphere is this the cooperative guy to go back again to the car analogy the car example he sees you in in your new car and he goes dang man you've worked really hard you know what you deserve it. it looks really good great choice man I would love to you know come pick me up later on we'll go hang out grab a burger let's let's take this puppy for a spin makes you feel really good about your new car. You're, and, and all you're thinking is, man, Trip is freaking cool, man. That was cool. I like that guy. He makes you feel good, right? And then, of course, you go and you pick him up and there's a Maserati in the driveway and he just didn't mention it. He didn't need to rain on your parade. Yeah, he's got a nicer car, but who cares? That wasn't relevant at the time and he knew that. And so... And even if he doesn't have a Maserati in the driveway, that's what the competitive, that's the cooperative guy. That's how he rolls, right? The competitive guy would be thinking about and or bringing up the fact that he had a different car, a better one. Cooperative guy doesn't need to do that. Cooperative guy at work looks like this. You get a, you get a project. It goes off like crazy. He says, The boss comes up and says, hey, Schwartz, great job on that. And he goes, you know what? I appreciate that trip and my team with Jordan. Those guys, they are so good. I could I I was never going to fail. This is always guaranteed with these A-listers, these A-players in my bench. And the boss goes, "Okay, whatever. You know, congratulations. And everybody around everybody around says wow that guy is so cool he just he deflected and shared the credit with everybody how cool is that and there's a whole list of personality traits that cooperative people do and we don't need to list them here because you know a lot of them already because anybody you know that's cooperative is the guy that everybody wants to be around he makes everybody feel super good about themselves but it's not fake it's not that sociopath conman type of cooperative behavior where they make you feel good until you lower your guard and then they screw you they actually want other people to succeed because they realize and here's the crux of it the cooperative man realizes that at the end of the day other people's victories and successes are his own And the reason that that's true is because he knows his relationships with those people are strong. And so I know that if your podcast trip becomes super popular, you're going to invite me on that and I'm going to have a chance to address your audience. That's a cooperative engagement. A combative or competitive engagement would be the following. Oh, man, this guy Trip has a podcast. He's creeping up on me. I'm going to have all my friends downvoted and give him crappy iTunes reviews. That's combative, right? Submissive is, oh, I'm never going to be able to keep keep up with Trip. He's going to kick my ass. That's submissive. Competitive is, ah, you know what? I bet he has a smaller audience. Oh, look at this logo. What a – and his haircut sucks too. All right, I got that going for him, and I'm still larger, so screw him. That's competitive. But cooperative – It makes so much more sense. You win from cooperative and and I win from cooperative. Why would I not want to exist there all the time? And if you think about this, the only reason that anybody would exist anywhere but the cooperative sphere is their ego. That is it. There is no other explanation for why this isn't spirituality Buddhist crap or, or Buddhist thought, not crap, I should be fair here. It's only because of ego. If somebody makes you feel bad about who you are because of your ego, you will slip out of cooperative. You will slide down into competitive, combative, or worse, submissive. That's the only
1: reason. Right. And, I mean, if you have insecurity issues, you're going to be exactly. competitive, combative, or submissive.
0: Exactly. And the cooperative guy doesn't need to do that because you can get a raise and make more money than him, and he doesn't go, oh, my God, that says something about my value as a person. It's not on his radar, and if it is, like for me, that would be on my radar. I would go, oh, God, and then I would just go, oh, wait a minute. Let's be cooperative with this. I, I'm actually happy for you. I don't know why I wouldn't be, but for all of us, that's why I say we slip into competitive because it is human nature. There's survival ethics and, and instincts at work here that make us go, oh, my gosh, his survival and reproduction value just went up a notch. I got to be on I got to be on on lock, right? I got to be on alert for that and get my own stuff on fleek. So, and I, yes, I just said on fleek. So you, sure have, did. <laughs> so you have to be aware of it, but you don't beat yourself up over it. If you slip out of cooperative, you slide into competitive, you go back up to cooperative. It's all good. It's fine. What you don't want to do is go into combative mode where you go, oh, this person got a raise uh, in, at work. I'm going to go to the boss and be like, you know what? Trip steals steals office supplies you didn't hear it from me right that is that's where things go wrong because that's toxic not only to others around you but to you yourself after a period of time and you can imagine why right lying to keep other people down is it's a great way to become the worst person ever
1: right exactly so with all these things being said what do you how do you think this could apply to attracting girls or, 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 or or situations with girls like where do you think we could take it
0: I'm very glad that you asked because this does come full circle and here's how. Submissive guys, I don't probably need to go into why that's unattractive. You've probably done a million shows about, you know, the nice guy syndrome and the submissive quiet guy not being super attractive.
1: Is that fair to say? Yeah, fair fair to say. Lots okay. of videos okay. and uh, podcasts on that.
0: And the combative guy, he, here, here's where your audience or, or people listening, I should say, might be like, but wait a minute, I know combative muscle a-holes and they get girls. Yes, but- Look very, very carefully at the type of women that are attracted to that, and you will find damaged women, young and mature women that don't have a lot of dating experience, and very insecure people, very insecure women. You will find that, and pretty much only that. And if it looks like they're not that for a second,
1: it's that, you just can't see it yet. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, and of course you're not going to see it. But yeah, that's the whole thing, is you're going to attract that type of insecure girl and maybe on the outside, yeah sure you see this this jerk with a really hot girl but you have no idea what they're dealing with behind the scenes. You have no idea what kind of a relationship it is and a lot of those relationships I've seen end, right? So a lot of those relationships don't last, they end up blowing up. Of course, they're just not at that point yet, they're still dating but most of the time it's going to go to that point.
0: It will. Yeah. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact, that, I mean, look at it this way. Here's a really super simple way to look at it. If she's dating this guy because he's super masculine and she's attracted to the damage or harm he can do to other people on behalf of protecting her, not only is she living in a weird sphere, but look at the pressure that's on him. If he goes up, if two of those guys meet in a bar and one guy looks at the other guy's girl, guess what? It's, now you're in this weird – they have to battle. Whether or not they fight or not is a different story. They have to – there's a status game being played that is completely ludicrous that you just do not want to be a part of at all. It's a losing battle because even when you win, uh, if it gets physical, it means you're in jail. <laughs> and if it's economic, you're wasting money to try to look – cool. I mean it's ridiculous. And that's where the combative type of guys slip into the competitive type of guys, the chronically competitive where it's like, okay, I've got to outspend. I've got to outspend. Do I've got to outshine, it's okay, again, to slip back into that and to be aware of it, but you don't want to live there. Uh, and this is where a lot of people find themselves to be, right? They will look at something that's going on with their friend, and they will look at what this means and what this says about them, and the answer is, truthfully, it doesn't mean anything about you. You're just placing yourself in a relative hierarchy when you see that, if your friend got a raise, your friend got a nicer thing. The cooperative guy doesn't put himself in that hierarchy. He's outside the hierarchy. Does that make sense? I know that can be a little weird. If all of these four things, if these three things, I should say, competitive, combative, and submissive are in a hierarchy, the cooperative guy is kind of standing outside that ladder, looking at everybody and being like, why is everybody over there? Why is everybody always trying to jump each other And checkers over here? I'm over here with my cooperative guys, and we're just having a lot of fun and like helping each other out. Why is everybody over there stepping on each other's head? That's weird.
1: Right, and in some sort of meta sense, the cooperative guy is not... Going to look at the competitive, combative, and submissive guy and do what they do. You know, the corrupt, cooperative guy is not going to look at some guy who's competitive or combative or submissive and be like, oh, these guys are losers. Like they haven't figured out. They need to be cooperative. It's like by saying that, you yourself are putting your, yourself back into those positions.
0: Exactly. And it doesn't need, it, the beautiful part about it is you don't have to ever put yourself back in there. It's always voluntary when you slip back into the hierarchy, and cooperative guys will always look at what they're doing to, to become more helpful to other people, and that results in having a lot of other people like you, right? Because if I'm constantly thinking about like, oh, hey, you know, Trip wants to have me on the show, hell yeah, I'll do that, that'll be awesome, then I'll share it on Twitter, I'll share it on Facebook, people will like it, he'll get more listeners— That's something that helps you, and it also helps me in return. So you and I then have a good relationship. That's great. And imagine if you live your whole life like that. How attractive is it, and this is a rhetorical question, how attractive is it if you're constantly well-liked by everybody? I mean, how How many women would notice you if everyone liked you, and nobody had a bad word to say about you, except for people that you already knew were insecure? How many, what type of women would you attract if that were you? what type of benefits in your life would you have that would be more attractive to women too? I've got tons of friends like this. I try to surround myself with cooperative people. They have awesome, successful businesses. They have all the trappings thereof. We can go to uh, one guy's awesome summer home and he's having a party and everybody knows these amazing, high-caliber, high-quality women that aren't looking for insecure guys. They can see through that. They've got cool businesses or, or lots of things going on in their life of their own. How nice is that lifestyle? And we're not competing for these girls. We're not fronting and peacocking and stepping on each other. We're talking each other up so that we can get the ones that we want and get each other the girls that they want. I mean this is perfect. This is an amazing lifestyle. The only thing that stops it from working for everyone is slipping back into the hierarchy. That's it.
1: Right, and I think the first step to, to stepping into being cooperative is being aware. Right. So just like looking at all these things and, and understanding them. And then every time you react to something, every time that you have an emotion regarding something, try to be aware and mindful of that thought of that emotion to see where that is. Are you being submissive? You know, are you, are you, which is, you know, being down on yourself or or letting people step on you? Are you being combative? Which is, you know, just kind of tearing everyone else apart. Or being competitive, saying that you think you're better—it's like you can start labeling these thoughts and not judging them, but just labeling them and saying, like, "Okay, you know what? I'm being a little competitive. What would what would the cooperative type of person say in this situation?" So you can almost start to train yourself to do that. You know, it's—I think the first step is is being aware. What do you think, Jordan?
0: Yeah. Awareness slash, you know, to use a trendy buzzword, mindfulness does have a lot to do with it. And it's great because it's so easy. Right. The questions you start to need to ask yourself are basically just somebody comes in and they're tall and good looking and they've got a great girl on their arm instead of thinking, okay, what do I have up on this guy? Oh, I bet he's got, you know, a tiny club foot. I mean, who cares, right? It doesn't matter what you have up on this guy. If you just think, Oh, cool. That's awesome. There's other successful people here. That means I'm in the right place. Or you start to think about the positive aspects of your situation or better yet, I meet somebody and they've got something really good going for them rather than thinking, well, you know, I bet he's got trouble. He, he can't have a show that's successful as mine, even though he has more Facebook fans or whatever crap like that. Instead of doing that, Go up and talk to that guy and go, look, I know you've got a really successful business. I would love to learn a little bit more about how it works and and frankly if there's anything i can do i'd love to learn about what that might look like too because i want to be friends with successful people that's a much stronger line of questioning that leads to much more cooperative relationships than trying to figure out where you're better than that person so you need only ask what you can do for other people to help them that's based in your expertise and i talk about that that's you know the crux of the art of charm giving value we call it where can i give value that type of value, that's so priceless. And the only time you're looking for it is if you're in a cooperative mindset. Otherwise, you're, you're too busy being com- competitive, combative, submissive. You're never going to be able to get into the right headspace to, to help other people get what they need, which is what makes them like you, which is what makes you more popular, more successful all around. And right, so it's right. a virtuous cycle.
1: Right. And that just kind of brings us full circle to what you were saying earlier is it's all about that idea of giving value, of giving and not expecting to receive because here's the cool thing is that when you give, you will end up receiving. It will inevitably happen but at the end of the day too, just giving just feels good and I know it sounds kind of cheesy but it does. When you're helping someone out and someone's able to learn from you or or just you know, just get something from you in some aspect. Maybe it's just an entertaining story or just having a uh, an overall good time with you. Whatever that is, that's value. And that's going to make you soar in the long run in pretty much every area of your life.
0: You got it, brother. And and we go into a lot more detail on how do I give value? How do I create these relationships? How do, it's just that, you know, I've got 475 plus hours of audio we can't fit it all in 47 minutes, right? But right. I, if people are interested even remotely in what this is about, this is the type of knowledge we give away at the Art of Charm. So I would you know, I'm, – I'm all ears if people find us and they need some resources on that. I'm happy to point people there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So who's ever stick around this long, go check that out, Art of Charm Podcast, which is – is it on Stitcher too?
0: It is on Stitcher, but like I don't know that many people that use it, I guess, and they're screwed anyway because once Google Play Market opens up, no one's going to use that
1: app. Right. Everyone's on iTunes anyway. So go check yeah. out The Art of Charm, which is a podcast in iTunes. Go check out artofcharm.com. I think that's pretty easy to spell, but either way, we'll put it in the show notes. Jordan, yeah. dude, thank you so much for coming on. Glad we got a, a second to, to do this and for you to give value to our – to our listeners here. So thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. And I feel like you're so full of knowledge that we barely even scratch the surface with with what, you know, would love to have you back sometime again in the future.
0: Yeah, that'd be super fun. You know, it's, it's rare that I get a chance to address kind of like my original audience of like guys looking for dating and advice. So I'm, I'm stoked. I I like to help where I can with this stuff because as you and I talked about pre-show, Way too many shysters out there. So if I can help like the guy that doesn't have his head in his butt and actually cares about people succeeding,
1: I'm all about it. So I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thanks again. Again, guys, go to Heart of Charm, artofcharm.com. Jordan, thanks so much.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and write a review. Over 18 and want a question answered on the podcast? Email all your questions to trip at (laughs) tripadvice.com. Thank you